Welcome back to the Zista podcast. We're continuing our conversation with Mukita Mangal Surya and focusing on vegan startups. Welcome to the Zista podcast. Today we invite industry leaders and academicians to answer questions that students have within a particular subject area. In part 1 of this show, we talked about a lot of basic aspects of vegan startups. and today we're going a little deeper and continuing the conversation with mukita mankul surya mukita has completed her bachelor's in international business hospitality and tourism management from edith cowan university she had a family business that was focused on working with local communities working with an all women centric setup and it's amazing to see the great products that they are working on in the jungle kitchen let's go straight into this session Welcome back to the show Mukita. I'm delighted to continue the conversation on vegan startups with you. Thank you again and I'm excited to talk part 2 with you. Fantastic. So I wanted to ask you about vegan startups go a little deeper in that subject. How do they actually adapt or customize their products uh, to suit local preferences and the needs of different market? So now you know we are in Singapore and we know that Singaporean love that food you know they love delicious things and it is one of the culinary capitals in the world so most of us can walk to incredibly complex delicious and satisfying meals within minutes from leaving a flat so in singapore that's how it works just about that and you can just walk a few minutes and you are treated to such delicious food so you know for example if you take laksa it's um a broth made with so many different ingredients right and it requires so much skill and finesse but it is something that is available in almost all neighborhood coffee shops or little little shops right um so again we just kind of we worked on our recipes and drawing from you know the entire team's years of experiences and community around us our partners our friends and just in this multiple rounds of feedback just going up and down up and down up and down until we were sure that we perfected our collections so what we were putting out into market had to be the best of the best of the best so again like we tried something it didn't work we thought it would it didn't so you know there's no if there was never any like oh man i'm so upset about that it was just like okay cool now we understand the market a bit better we understand the flavor profile so let's work on it and let's put something amazing out so that's basically how we kind of went to understanding you know the different markets and the local preferences in that way interesting so it in starts with a study uh and then there's an element of risk by you know putting your foot forward getting your product out there and then looking at consumer reaction going through that trial and error phase before you reach a point where you know you've got a product that actually works that actually clicks so i think that's a sound strategy as any i wanted to ask you mukita you know what do you see as some of the opportunities or perhaps even barriers that a vegan startup might encounter when they're entering a new market um again i think it just stems from the fact that people tend to view vegan products as things that are not 
worth any time or effort even try. So that was a big barrier to us. Because even some of my friends, the second I said, I'm going to do vegan products, they were like, well, what? Like, you like vegan is not good. What are you talking about? It's terrible. And I'm just like, what are you, ta- what are you talking about? You know, you have to, as, as humans, I feel like it's, it's our duty almost to kind of, you know, don't knock it till you try it kind of thing. So you have to give it a go. And I think that is probably um, the biggest barrier that new uh, people entering this market will kind of understand. Again, it's just that people tend to look down on plant-based things as something that it should not be really And when you are a heavy meat eater. We are, again, we're just trying to make products that are vegan but they're just delicious in themselves. So, and I think, you know, opportunity-wise, I think a lot of people who do want to enter the space to take that into account, you know, take into account that there is this misconception that happens and you have to kind of overcome it and just show people like, hey, try my product and then I'll let you know if it's vegan or not. So one of the best tests that we did was actually just give people things and be like, oh, just try it. And we're like, oh, you know, that's the vegan chocolate root. What? It's vegan? Never guess. And you're like, I don't, you're just like, yes, exactly. So, you know, if I told you it was before, you would have had already this thought in your head, like, this is not going to be good. You know, so that, that's, for me, I think that's just the biggest barrier that we face. And again, overcoming it is just make sure that you believe in your own product. And, you know, you just be able to to back your product up and say, hey, no, you know what? I make a good product. You don't like it, that's okay. But I know that the majority built. So let me take that risk and put it into the market. Yeah, I, I kind of resonate with what you're saying. Uh, you know, even the big cola brands like Coke and Pepsi have had things like blind tasting. Uh, and the fact is that, you know, uh, even loyal Coke consumers have actually said that they like Pepsi, you know, when they participate in some blind tasting. But then they step out and they go back to the supermarket and they buy Coke all over again. So... It's it's really interesting the kind of things you can notice, uh, you know, consumers do when they don't know all the information. So uh, if I know something is vegan and if I have, say, uh, not so positive uh, a perception about vegan food, it's going to impact my experience actually tasting that particular product, how I'm going to perceive it. But if you just say, hey, just try this, this is chocolate mousse and I later learn it's vegan, it's going to be a pleasant surprise, right? So it's it's really interesting that you highlighted that point. Focusing yeah. on food that's yummy and nutritious, uh, yeah. that itself will market itself, right? I mean, we, vegan is the added advantage, but you, you can't not focus on that, right? You have to make your food yummy and nutritious. 100%. And like that is something for startups or anyone entering the market, you know, that R&D phase is so important. It's very, very lucrative that that is done thoroughly because then and only then will you also understand your market better and your product better. And those are like the two key drivers of any successful understanding what your consumers I can want and understanding what your product can give them. I want to ask you, you know, uh, you've had a really nice entrepreneurial journey and uh, 
you know, a lot of young students would be tuning into this podcast, would be wondering, how do I get started? Uh, what should I do and what shouldn't I do? So what advice would you give uh, budding entrepreneurs who want to have their own uh, food-based startup or perhaps their own vegan startup? So the main, again, the main advice I would give them is experiment, find where your true love and passion is within the food world because it's such a vast, you know, space. Food, there are so many different types. So definitely experiment and find your footing in something. And again, because it's like even the smallest change in variables can, you know, can have a huge impact on the outcome. So it's just, you know, try different things. And this applies not only for recipes, but it applies for, you know, your whole process, your management process, putting in SOPs, understanding how every part of the business would work. You know, so from like a manufacturing point of view, it was just important for me to understand sourcing then understand, you know, the pre-production of it, understand the actual production, understanding how each piece of machinery works, how it's calibrated, how all of that is done, why certain things are done. So it's just always ask questions, you know, but even if even if you think that you're asking a stupid one, don't. It's always ask questions, always be willing to learn and understand every single part of the business that you're trying to get into. And also just make sure you have a good team with you. Obviously a good team is not easy to find straight off the bat. It'll again, take a bit um, trial and error, but ultimately it'll be people that grow with you. And that's what you essentially would want. So once you find all of the pieces of the puzzle, I'm not saying it would be yay, damn deal, good to go, but it definitely will give you that push that you need to get started and get your uh, business off the ground. So you were talking about teams and talent and, uh, you know, one of the questions I want to ask you was, how do you attract the right talent? And once you've got them on board, how do you nurture them and retain them? Again, trial and error. Because we, okay. you know, we have a few people that just, you know, we hire them on the, the pretense that, you know, the interview went really well and we thought off the bat, like, oh my God, this person is the perfect fit for our brand. But a couple months into it, then you kind of realize, oh, maybe, you know, their values are a bit more different. Maybe we have to keep looking. Sometimes you, like, for example, a designer met her click and it was amazing. She's done such a great job and we are so happy to have her in our team. But then there are others, of course, that you have to keep kind of pushing and looking and, you know, it's different things. It could be LinkedIn. It could be word of mouth. It could have just be like Instagram and you saw someone, you know. Um, so it's just really kind of taking a bit of time to just be able to go through the motions as they come. Um, again, it's like have your goal, keep working towards it, and then just, you know, add and remove as you like or can as you see fit for the business. And just keep just keep moving, basically. Don't be stuck on like, oh, this person wasn't working. I can't do it. Like, let's go back. Let's go back. No, it's just like, okay, we've learned from this person. Let's take what we've learned and how now we know what to look for in the next person. And just keep going. Now when you're hiring. Thank you. Uh, 
Mukita, I'd like to say thank you once again for, you know, coming back on our podcast and continuing this conversation on vegan startups. There's so much interesting stuff that we covered. And, you know, I'd like to say thank you for making time in your day for this. No, it's a pleasure again with all mine. And thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute honor talking to you and getting to know you and your team. And I'm excited to see what you guys do as well in the future. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. There's just so much that we learned from Mukita, and it's quite clear that vegan startups have a bright future. It's a trend that's going to accelerate. And so if you're passionate about, you know, doing something different, if you're really passionate about vegan food, then you should consider starting up. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube if you like the content we're creating. Follow us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. This is your host, Amit Ahuja, signing out. Till we meet again, we'd say, stay curious. Stay curious.